Let's pray as we begin. Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us through your word, just as you designed it to be read, to be understood, to be interrogated. We ask that you would speak to us and you would show us what you are saying. Amen. We are in the second week of our series, 40 Days, working through Matthew 4, verses 1 to 12, where we look at Jesus in the wilderness, experiencing temptation. Last week, Ben began with unexpected, how following God can lead us to unexpected places to build our trust in him. And this week, we're looking at unsatisfied. How do we hunger and thirst for God's righteousness and find satisfaction in him rather than in satisfying our physical needs. So we have the passage that we just read. Jesus is in the wilderness. He is tempted and he responds. But before we even get into the passage itself, the question we should be asking ourselves is why does Jesus tell us this story? No one else was there. It was just Jesus. So he must have told his disciples about it very intentionally. Why? Well, I believe the reason is that he believed it was relevant for them and relevant for us. I think Jesus tells us about this encounter, this experience that he had, because he knew that we would go through the same experiences. We would have the same reality. We would know what it is like to be tempted just like him. The temptations that Jesus faces are the same ones that we experience in our day-to-day lives, day in, day out, day after day. And so as we look at this together, As I talk, as we listen, as we think about this together, I want you to keep coming back to that, keep coming back to that question. How is this the same as what you are experiencing? Keep that in the back of your mind. How is this the same for you? How is this relevant for you right now? Why did Jesus tell us this? In our morning services today, we looked at the story of the Israelites traveling through the wilderness and how God provided for them despite their great hunger and thirst. When they were faced with hunger, They failed and didn't put their trust in God to provide for them. But in our story this evening of Jesus in the wilderness, we see him paralleling that, but succeeding where they failed. And this is no accident. It's not a pure coincidence. Jesus is very intentionally going through the same steps that the Israelites went through when they came out of Egypt through the Exodus. But where they failed, he is making the right choices and putting his trust in God. So first of all, the Israelites were rescued from Egypt and brought through the Red Sea. Paralleling that, Jesus starts his ministry by being baptized, a Red Sea experience, if you like. The Israelites are singled out by God as his chosen people. They receive their identity from him. As soon as Jesus finishes being baptized, God speaks from heaven and says, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And that says a sense of the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus. The Israelites receive identity from God as his chosen people. God puts his stamp, his seal on them and says, you are mine, your identity is in me, you are chosen by me, I give you purpose. Jesus receives the same sense of identity, chosenness and purpose as soon as he is baptized. And off the back of this, both the Israelites and Jesus immediately go into a period of being in the wilderness, in the desert. The Israelites immediately experience temptation in the desert on whether they will trust God to provide for their very literal physical needs of hunger and thirst. But whereas they fail, Jesus, in the same situation, refuses to do anything but put his trust in God. 
this is where the stories differ. So, how is Jesus tempted? Well, the passage says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So, firstly, I think it's helpful to note that the Bible doesn't say that there was another person with him talking to him. We often have this sense of sort of like the devil turns up and he's got horns and a tail, or, or maybe he's, he's a beautiful human being, just, just like an angel would be. Well, actually, the Bible doesn't give us any of that. He was tempted. There is a sense of an other, someone who is bringing the temptation, but not physically. Jesus experienced temptation. Just like you and I experienced temptation. Temptation to do something we know we shouldn't, to say something, to be selfish, to put ourselves first. Jesus, Jesus is experiencing the same temptations that you and I experience in our everyday lives. Everything that we go through, he went through. He was fully human. And in this moment, he is experiencing temptation at the point in which he's the most vulnerable. And he's so hungry and tired and thirsty. And when he really has to work out who he's going to put his trust in. And the temptation that he receives is this. If you are the son of God. Immediately, the temptation is to challenge, to test the words that Jesus received at baptism. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. That is the identity that God gives him. The temptation that Jesus faces is, does he really believe that? Is, is he really confident in that? Is it really true that he's God's son? If you are the son of God, then what on earth are you doing here, Jesus? Seriously, look at your surroundings. Something doesn't add up. The temptation, the temptation is for Jesus to allow his identity to be undermined by becoming fixated on his circumstances. The disconnect between him being the son of God, the object of God's love, and Jesus experiencing starvation and need in a very real sense. He is a human being who has not eaten for 40 days. He is at the, like, the edge of human capacity. Very soon, his bodily functions will start to shut down. He needs food and water desperately. Jesus, if God had your best interests at heart, then clearly this wouldn't be happening to you. That's the temptation he's experiencing, to start to question his belief system. Does that sound familiar to you? Remember, again, Jesus is giving us this story because he believes it's relevant to our lived experience. When have you felt like that? This is an attempt to undermine Jesus' trust in God and to undermine his loyalty to the Father, the Father that he trusts to lead him and to guide him. Does he really trust God with his life, his whole life? Does he really believe that God will take care of him regardless of the circumstances which say a completely different story? Do we believe that regardless of the circumstances, our circumstances do not define who God is to us? So how does Jesus respond? Well, he actually quotes from the account of the Israelites traveling through the desert that we just referenced. And this is a point when Moses, slightly later on in the story, Moses recalling the 40 years that the Israelites spent in the wilderness. And from Deuteronomy 8, uh, verses 2 and 3, it says this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you 
causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That last bit is what Jesus quotes. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So what is Jesus saying by quoting this? It's not an accident. He is very intentionally, again, paralleling that story of the Israelites. Well, firstly, Jesus isn't saying that we don't need food. He's saying that we don't only live by food. We can exist and have food, shelter, and clothing, but we can still, even in that moment, not truly know, sorry, we can exist and have food, shelter, and clothing, but still not truly live as a flourishing, healthy human. We can have those things and we can scrape by and survive for a bit, but that is it. That's the limit. As humans, we are designed for more than just to survive. We need purpose, meaning, a loving community of relationships to both know and be known, to love and be loved. When we don't have these things, we aren't complete. Jesus is saying that as human beings, we of course need food, But to truly live, we need an identity and a purpose. Something from our creator about who we are, what we're here for. Something that tells us the truth about ourselves. So Jesus' response isn't, I don't need food. Jesus' response actually is, I might live or I might die. My physical life is not at the core of what I am or what my life is about. Food is not the be all and end all. My life has meaning because of the identity and purpose spoken to me by the Father, who I trust more than my circumstances, despite my circumstances. Jesus looks at the intense pain of hunger and thirst and says, that doesn't define the meaning of my life. My love for, my loyalty, my trust in the Father's word to me, the identity that he gives me as he guides me, that is more real than my circumstances no matter how difficult they are. This is about what it means to be human and about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So again, why does Jesus tell us this story? I believe that Jesus tells us this story because he knew that just as he faced these temptations, we would also face them. If we're trying to follow Jesus in his upside-down kingdom where the first will be last and the last will be first, then those same voices that attacked him will attack us. Becoming a disciple of Jesus is like going into the wilderness. Things don't get easier, and there are more sources of tension as every other voice in your life, from society to the people around you, maybe even your family and friends, tries to teach you a different way of living to Jesus' way. You're going to have these voices just like Jesus had them. Do you recognize those voices when they come? Do you recognize that temptation? The voices that say, if you're really the daughter of the king. I mean, look at your life. Look at who you are. Look at the kinds of decisions you've made. Look at what's happening in your life, the disappointments, and honestly tell me that God loves you when your life has been like that. We all have those moments. Do you recognize that voice for what it is when you hear it? This is what the story is warning us, is coming for us. And do you know what to do when that voice comes into your mind, your heart? Do you know where to go? 
Where do you hear those voices? How do you respond? What is it that questions your identity? Is it at work? And your boss has pulled you up on something and actually you know it's because you messed up. Is your identity found in God who gives you a new identity, who declares his love for you, who says you are chosen and I give you purpose? Or is your identity found in how you're perceived by your boss? Does that challenge your identity? Does your potential failure or shortcoming challenge your identity? Or maybe it's with your friends and maybe you're in a group of friends and they're starting to slag off someone and do you join in? Is your identity going to be challenged if they think you're not prepared to be a part of that conversation? If you stand up and say, no, actually, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to get involved in that talk. Suddenly, is your identity challenged? Is your identity based on what they think of you? Or is it based on the fact that God says, no, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Your identity comes from me. I have chosen you. I give you purpose through my love. Well, actually, Jesus shows us the only way to respond in these situations. If we look to the end of the passage, he basically says to Satan after the, uh, the third temptation, he says to the tempter, just get out of here. Get the hell out of here. Jesus refuses to let those voices define who he is as a human being, to define who he is as the son of God, as God's loved one. Who you are as a human being made in God's image is defined first and foremost by Jesus, who loves us and gave himself for us. That's who you are. That's your value. Don't ever doubt that. And when the temptation comes to question the identity that God places on you, when your circumstances don't seem to match up just like Jesus didn't, how are you going to respond? Are you going to start to doubt those, that identity, that chosenness, that purpose? Or are you going to say no? No matter what my circumstances are, they do not change the fact that I know my identity comes from God. I wonder where you think you lie on that scale from the Israelites at one end through to Jesus at the other end. The Israelites who had so much potential but ultimately didn't trust God. They didn't believe he could provide for them. Or Jesus at the other end who stood firm and said, no, I know who I am and I know who God is to me. Well, I'd want to say that no matter where you feel like you are on that scale, you can't help but fall at Jesus' end. And the reason is that unlike the Israelites, but like Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. We have the Holy Spirit through Jesus' death and resurrection. We have God in us, living in us, giving us life. And so we do not face these temptations alone. We have God in us, constantly present, reminding us that we are his daughter, we are his son, whom he loves. With us, he is well pleased. He has chosen us. He gives us purpose. He gives us life. We're going to spend some time waiting on that Holy Spirit now, asking him to refill and refresh us. Amen.